Okay. Last time I tried to move this, I had a really hard time. I just need a little bit more room up there. Currently have. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. Thank you. Well, if you're just joining us, have you been with us? We've been going over the Beatitudes. Uh, it's been a little bit longer s- series for us. We usually don't stick this long on a subject, but it's, it's probably one of the best subjects to be covering. Uh, Jesus' intro to the Sermon on the Mount. So let's go over those real quick. Let's go to uh, Matthew. Matthew 5. We read these every time we look at them together. Every Sunday so far, we've gone back over the Beatitudes. And it is a little bit mundane, right, to hear them over and over again, but yet we need to hear those because we need to commit them to memory. We're memorizing those. We're we're playing them over and over and over again in our head. And as we study this, and Nate mentioned it last week, there's a distinct connection. God has these in a certain order for a certain reason. It's not by mishap at all. So knowing these in order and knowing these beatitudes by memory, I would say, is is powerful, powerful stuff. So let's take a look at it, starting in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. That's what we're going to go over today. And finally, blessed are those who are persecuted because of their of righteousness, excuse me, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So again, we're going to go over that ninth verse. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So Nate went over the the verse before uh, last week. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. He ended with, with this, he ended with Psalm 24, 3-4. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Let's flip over to Romans 6.6. So I'll go over what we did last week and then we'll we'll move forward uh, once we take a look at this together. Just refresh your memory, maybe add a a new thought to it. So Romans 6.6, where we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if, he died, now if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Let's skip down to verse 14. Romans six fourteen, For sin shall no longer be our master because you are not under the law, but under grace. 
Okay, now let's get the answer to that. Let's go to Colossians 2.11. So Colossians 2.11. You may be asking yourself right now, what does this have to do with a pure heart? And this is the answer. So 2.11. In Him, you were also circumcised with a circumcised circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been, excuse me, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead. That circumcision is circumcision of the heart. That's what we're reading about there. It's, it's cutting out the fleshly, deceitful, sinful heart and putting in the heart of who? Christ. Christ's heart. His Spirit. So when we see pure of heart, it's not pure of our own heart, it's Christ's heart is pure. Dwelling inside of us. So let's move, let's move a little bit further. Let's go on to the next beatitude. Again, we're, we're back in Matthew 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Your, your version may also say sons of God. Um, you'll find that I'll, I'll, I'll go back and forth between children and son, or sons. Um, for the purpose of this, and from what I've studied, they have the same meaning. There really, there's no difference or distinction between the two in this circumstance. There is outside of this. Um, like I said, the, the word is very systematic and detailed. God's word is, is put together in a certain way, and the Beatitudes are in a certain order. They can't be interchanged and, and have the same meaning. As Nate alluded to last week, it is the salvation story. So we go to the circumcision of heart, this pure heart, this now being dead with Christ, risen with Christ, a new being. And then what do we go to? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. So, how many of you done, have you done any public speaking? That's good. It's actually more than I thought. It's great. So, the first rule, or one of the first rules of public speaking is, and the, and the layout of a speech is tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. That's the, the basic um, layout of a, of a speech. And for, for us today, we're going to examine two parts of this verse. There's really two parts of it that we need to look at and focus on to understand the meaning of it. And that first part is, what's a peacemaker? What is a peacemaker? Right? Is that a worldly type peacemaker that we see? Is that a person that kind of keeps two parties together? Is able to, to find a common ground? Is that a peacemaker? And then the second part is, what is a child of God? What is a son of God? What is that? And if we understand those two things, then we can clearly understand this beatitude. I'm hoping to explain that to you today. So, there you go. Tell them what you're going to tell them. I told you, now I get to tell you what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so to clearly understand 
peacemaker, I think we need to first understand what is peace. What is biblical peace? Um, we find in Hebrew, shalom. Right? You've probably heard this before. It's an inward sense of completeness or wholeness. Peace. In the Greek, we, we see irene. That's the Greek word for, for peace. Which means one. Keep that in mind. This is really important. It means one. Peace, quietness, rest. One. That's really, really important for this. It's from the root word, and I get this, I, I've, I've memorized this by keeping, like, it's arrow and hello. Arrow. That's how you pronounce it. Arrow in the Greek. Like, arrow! Hey, guys! Or arrow and hello. You combine the two. And it's funny, right? This is a little bit goofy, but it helps you remember these words. And that means the root word of peace that we find in the Greek means to join, to tie together into a whole. Again, one, join, tie together into a whole. These are really important English words that reflect the Greek word peace. Um, how many of you had a dispute with someone close? That's it? Are you guys here with me this morning? That's all? Really? You must be a bunch of peacemakers. <laughs> how many people have had a dispute with someone close, a friend, a family member. There we go, everybody up. If you've lived more than two seconds, you've probably had some sort of dispute at some point in your life. Not that you can reconcile it, but you've probably had a, a dispute with someone close to you. I've had some disputes in my time. People close, people not so close. But what is the peace that we find in a dispute? What is peace through that? Through confrontation? Through differences? Let's, let's talk, we're going to talk first about maybe a, a more worldly type perspective. Something that we can, we can examine in our day-to-day -day lives and then we can, we can see that a little clearer in Scripture and what God's trying to tell us. But for now, a worldly type thing. What's the peace that comes? Right? It's the... It's the reconciliation between the two parties. Like I said, I've, I've been in some disputes. I've had some unpeaceful times. Um, one of those that I can think of more recently that was a little bit bigger of a deal, I was actually still working with Porter Homes at the time. And we were starting excavation in an older subdivision. And the, the excavator got there. It was, it's always hard to get subs on time exactly when you need him, he was available, he started excavating, and I had turned in my architectural design package and started working through that process with the HOA. And I had been told ahead of time from the developer, this HOA is not always friendly. They're, they're, you're gonna have some troubling times with one individual. Well, I get a call, I've, I hadn't been out to the job site yet, but the excavator's up and rolling, he's digging dirt like he should be, he's got the plans, he's, he knows what he needs to do, he can do that until I get there. 
I get a call and he says, there's some guy in a blue truck standing in front of my loader right now, and he says, I can't dig. I said, I'll be right there. I'm on my way. So I drive up, and sure enough, it's a certain individual that I've been warned about. And as I, as I walk, as I pull up, I pulled up on the street. He's right across the street. As I'm getting out of my truck, walking up, he's standing there like this. The excavator's behind him, scared to do anything else. The man's just, you can tell. He's, he's ready to go to battle. He's primed. And I just pulled on his last nerve. I come walking up, and he says, you can't dig. You cannot dig. You're not all the way through the process. You cannot dig. You know what I said? You want to bet? <laughs> I can. I'm not saying that I was all wise in doing that. There was the right thing to do at all, and I would take it back if I could. But I said, you want to bet? Watch me. There's nothing you can do to stop me. Watch me do it. Again, I'm not saying this is the right thing, but it was that confrontation. It was the opposite of peace. There was no peace there. It was either going to, he was going to walk away, he was going to knock me out, or we were going to dig a hole. We went back and forth. It probably sounded a lot like, you can't dig. And I said, yes, I can. You can't. I said, yes, I can. You can't. Yes, I can. It was childish at best. We finally got to a place, and I took a step back. thought to myself, this is, this is going nowhere. This guy is just going to, eventually I'm going to end up with a, a police officer here. I said, look, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry about this. You're right. We should, probably should get all the way through the process. You're wrong in thinking that I can't because I can't. I just can't go vertical. I read your, your guidelines. We're fine. Trust me, I read through the CCNRs. We can dig. We just can't build. And we had no plans of building until we were through it. And I'm, I'm sorry for the mistake. It's really hard to get sub. It's really hard to keep momentum on a project. You can understand, right? You probably had a similar experience at one point in your life. And things started calming down. Needless to say, by the end of it, we kept digging. He went home. We got through the, we got through the ARC just fine. And it, it came out fine. But that's the opposite of a peacekeeper. That's the opposite of it, right? That's the opposite of when we see one, wholeness, completeness. But ultimately, through dispute, when there's peace, it can only be found through reconciliation, right? If there's differences between two parties, the only time that peace can be found is through reconciliation. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. This is powerful stuff. Um, I'd like to take credit for it, but it, I, I'm not the one that looked at this first. This isn't a, a fresh idea of my Nate actually showed me this when we started talking about this sermon. But this, this is powerful stuff. This is, power, this is meat and potatoes. This is going to stick to your ribs. 
Ephesians 2, verse 14. For He Himself is our peace, who has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Just for some background, who do you think those two groups are that, that he's talking about here? This is Paul writing. Jew and Gentile. That's right. These two people are now at peace because of Christ. Himself is our peace. By setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations, His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of two. Thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death in their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. He came and preached peace. What was He preaching? What is the peace? Reconciliation. He's preaching reconciliation through Him. It's the Gospel. It's the good news. That's the peace. That's what Jesus came preaching. He came preaching that we, through Him, can be reconciled with God. He came preaching that both Jew and Gentile can be reconciled with God through Christ. That's the peace. For through Him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Reconciliation. Again, I asked you to to dwell on that word one. Wholeness. Unity. In a nutshell, peace, peace is reconciliation. It's being united with God. The only way that's possible is through Christ. getting ahead of myself in my notes, by the way. So I'm going to have to sit back here and catch up a little bit. Colossians 1.20 says, if you want to skip over there real quick, and I also, um, has everybody got a, the notes or the Scripture verses for this? I made those this time around. So if, if I'm going a little quickly or if I'm, I'm getting ahead of everybody or you don't have time to check it out, Grab one of those. There are some more. I just saw them. There's some more left in the back. Check it out after this, or we can talk about it too. But Colossians 1.20 says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of Christ to reconcile all things to Himself. i got to make sure I get this right. Having made peace through the blood of Christ. That peace, that reconciliation came through Christ's bloodshed. 
Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9.6 We've got to have some, some OT in there, right? For God will be born to us Oh, sorry. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So then, if reconciliation, if unity in Christ with God is peace. So what's a peacemaker? Now what can a peacemaker be? Again, it's interesting to me the way that the, the Beatitudes are laid out to, to resemble the salvation story. But we see this picture of the verse before, pure in heart, of having your heart circumcised, dying and being risen with Christ, a new man, a new creation, and a new woman. To now being a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed is the peacemaker. A new person. But then it's interesting though, God does this often when you're his. When you're called His, which now at this point you would be, right? When you're called His, you don't just get to sit on the sidelines. When you're a bondservant to the Most High, He's going to ask you to do something. And that's where we see peacemaker. Maker of peace. 1 Corinthians 3.9, turn there. Sorry, let's go back. Did I read 2 Corinthians? No, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Pure heart. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was recon reconciling the word, world to Himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them and has committed to us the message of of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as through God we're making His appeal through us to implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. And it goes on to say, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him 
we might become the righteousness of God. A couple of Beatitudes ago, we looked at thirst and hunger for righteousness. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For He says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I help you. Peacemakers. That is what he's saying right here. Be peacemakers. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So once we are reconciled, we now have the ministry of reconciliation. We are to be peacemakers. We are here to help people get to reconciliation. We are to be the hands and feet of Christ so we can show people the way. That's what He's calling us to do when He said, blessed are the peacemakers. look at it a little bit deeper. So, 1 Corinthians. So go back. This one book. 3, 9. Chapter 3, verse 9. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Moreover, James 3.17 says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Verse 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then there's this last little passage here from Isaiah, Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of Him that brings good news. Who publishes peace and who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. We get to share in that. How beautiful it is. How beautiful it is when we bring peace. When we're the mouthpiece that brings a person to reconciliation. Even more so, God wants peacemakers, those who are reconciled with Christ, reconciled with God through Christ, I should say. It's a little more accurate. Those who are reconciled with God through Christ to be peacemakers within His church, with each other. We see that time and time again as we get instruction from 
Paul and Peter about what church looks like, we see that peace, peace be among you, peace. 2 Corinthians 13.11 says, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Live in peace with one another. We see that time and time again. We go back to Isaiah. Isaiah 26, verse 12. Lord, You established peace for us. All that we accomplished, You have done for us. Let's put in reconciliation there. Lord, You established reconciliation for us. All that we accomplished, You have done for us. So even inside the church, with each other, we are to be peaceful to keep peace, to be peacemakers. Ultimately, helping each other, each one of us, to get to salvation, to eternity. Right? I've wrote here, I wrote down, those who understand God's peace can share God's peace. When you understand the gravity of what's been done for you by the, the bloodshed of Christ, and you understand the peace that now dwells within you, the reconciliation that, that from the hostility that once existed, like what we read in Ephesians, that hostility, the wall between man and God that Jesus broke down. When you understand that hostility between you, that God came to reconcile that and knock that over, now you can fully share that peace with others. So that brings us to a second part of the verse. What is a child or a son of God? I've heard it said a, a lot of different times Aren't we all children of God? And the Bible says no, we're not. We are all made by God, right? He formed us from the very beginning. But we're not all children or sons of God. Let's go to 1 John 3.10. And the, the question here is, are we, aren't we all children of God? By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one that does not love his brother. In a nutshell, there will be good fruit. Ephesians 
chapter 1, verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. So let's take a look at that adoption. So, to be a son or a daughter, a child of God, it's to be adopted by God. And here in a minute, we'll look a little bit further at Father. We call Him Father, right? Those who believe in Him call Him Father. But it's not lineage. It's not being related in any way physically. So it can't be that we're all sons and children of God by just being born, but rather we get to be part of God's family and be called His children or be called His son when we are adopted into His family. And that can only be done. We've got to go back again, right? We go back to reconciliation and peace. We're only adopted. We're only grafted. We're only brought in when we're clothed with Christ. When His heart is in ours or on our bodies. That's when we're adopted. And from that point forward, now we can be called children of God. Let's look at that father a little bit more. We call him father, Abba. Romans 8, 15. So flip over there. I'll give you a little bit of time to get there. I've been going through a few of these verses quickly, and I'm sorry about that. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. We're adopted into Him after we've received the spirit. We're adopted as sons, as His children, by whom we cry, Father. That's when we're children of God. Is when He is our Father. Our Master. Our bond. Bond servant. Our owner. We are a bond servant to Him. Let's look at 1 John 3.1. So we were just there. We were at verse 10. We're going to go back. So 3.1. I'm going to go back one more verse. Let's go to uh, 2.29. So it's just the, the verse right before chapter 3. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everything, that, sorry, that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. 
See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know is that it did not know Him. The world can't look at God and understand the relationship between father and child because the world does not know Him. So the last part of any speech, right, is tell them what you told them. So what is a peacemaker? Peacemaker is a person that has been reconciled with God that shares the reconciliation with others. That's a peacemaker. A, per- a person that shares that reconciliation because they know it, they recognize it, that peace, that joy, that love, all of it fits inside there. All of it. Been reconciled through Christ. We share that reconciliation of Christ with others by what they do, what they say, all of that. As peacemakers, that's what he's asking us to do. He's saying that we are blessed. More so, we shouldn't be asking, I'm not going to say that. More so, we should be asking ourselves not how we become peacemakers, but first, how we become sons and children of God. Then, we can understand, and in that last verse that we just read in John, we can understand what it means to be a peacemaker. We can't understand peace until we are a child of God. The world just can't. They'll never get there. So what is a child of God? One that's been reconciled by Christ. One that has peace in Christ and looks to God interesting that we go from from peacemaker sorry we go back to pure of heart to peacemaker to they will be called sons of God children of God I'm going to leave you with this though it's not all gumdrops and roses let's go to Matthew 10.34 This is Jesus speaking. We need to work this together with what we've we've learned this far, but do not think that I have come to bring peace to this earth. 
I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. It's interesting that the Prince of Peace says he has not come to bring peace. But we need to skip back. He said he did not come to bring peace to the earth. That doesn't mean that there isn't supposed to be peace among us or us to be His peacemakers. But He did not come to bring peace to this earth. The world, the earth can't understand. It can't look back and ever understand. And there will always be a wall of division between the two. And there's supposed to be. There's supposed to be a difference between the two. But he did come to bring peace to man, to us. He called us out. He has elected us ahead of time. He wants us to have reconciliation between us and the Father. That's the peace. But if you think for a minute, as a Christian, that all of a sudden things will be easy, they won't be. They're not going to be. Not with the earth, but as peacemakers, as the calm and the storm, we should be the ones that are unafraid, that are without fear. Because we know that ultimately our destinies depend on Him. He's got it all under control. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys. Who's got uh, communion?